0: Welcome and thank you for listening to the Sermon Podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. We start a brand new sermon series today, Where is My Church on Monday Morning? And after today, you'll come away knowing in your head and hopefully in your heart that God loves you. And you'll also discover our executive director's affinity for a certain type of socks, Here's Chris Pan with today's sermon, I am my beloved's and his desire is for me.
1: Good morning, I'm Chris Pan. I'm on staff at the church as executive director. And we begin, woo. <laughs> we begin a new sermon series today called Where's My Church on Monday. Uh, and for the month of September, we'll be exploring how to live out our faith every day, at home, at work, at school, in our neighborhoods, uh, how to live as followers of Jesus in ways that are not weird, but practical and normal and helpful to make a positive impact on other people's lives. Where is my church on Monday? Well, we know where church is on Sunday. It's here. Here is a representation of the church gathered on Sunday. That's our island, all those little gray dots, and those little red dots are us. Uh, It is good for the church to gather and to worship together. But if we think that church is just this event, just this gathering, Uh, on Sunday mornings in this building that people attend, that we're not going to be as effective as we could be in reaching out to people in the world. You know why? It's Because most people won't come to one of our events. They won't come to this this gathering. They won't come into a church building, this church building or any other church building. You know how I know? Because I've I've asked them and they say, "You know, I wanted to go listen to you, uh, speak on Sunday, but then I remember that you would probably talk about Jesus, so I didn't go. That's an actual quote from one of my friends. Uh, and he's right: I am going to talk about Jesus. But I have good news for you and for my friend. God does not live here in this building. And he's not only here on Sunday mornings. God lives here in our hearts, through His holy Spirit, and God lives out there in the messy, everyday things of life. And so church is not a building, and it doesn't just exist on Sunday mornings. We are the church. Where is my church on Monday? It's out there in your office, in your classroom, in your neighborhoods, because you are out there. This is a representation of the church scattered around our community on Monday. And it is good for the church to be scattered around the community on Monday It's the same number of red dots, but now all those gray dots are not so far away from the church, from the love of God. Let's open our eyes to see God at work out there through you. Let's live out the gospel intentionally showing people what it's like to live as a follower of Jesus in the messy everyday things of life the other six days of the week. How? I don't wanna offend anybody but can I suggest that this is not an effective way to convey God's love in the messy everyday things of life. If you're listening uh, to the podcast or you can't see the screen, it's somebody holding up a sign saying, you're going to hell. And I think it's signs like this and an approach like this that makes my friends and yours reluctant to meet the real Jesus because they get the impression that God doesn't like them. And nothing could be farther from the truth. God loves them. God loves you and me. As we go through our sermon today, ask yourself these two questions. Ask yourself, what is God saying to me? What does he want me to do about it? What is God saying to me? What does he want me to do about it? Will you please join me in prayer? God, open our hearts and our ears to you. May your Holy Spirit transform us. We are your beloved, and your desire is for us. In Jesus' name, all God's children say, amen. So this is the church mission statement. Love God, love people, and reach the world for Jesus Christ. And that is a good mission statement, especially as we start a new series on reaching out to our community. But today, I want to take a step back first. Because being a follower of Jesus never starts with what we do for God. Being a follower of Jesus always starts with what God has done for us. I'm gonna say that again. Being a follower of Jesus never starts with what we do for God. Being a follower of Jesus always starts with what God has done for us. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because God first loved us. So I, I wanna start with God's love for us. But I wanna take a step back even further than this. I'm trying to knock into something. Um, because that's a great truth, that God loves us. But maybe we only know that up here in our brain. Today, I want to get the truth of God's overwhelming love into our heart, into our very definition of who we are, so that it moves us. I recently read about an interesting psychological trick. Uh, and so if you want to avoid eating potato, trip, p- potato chips, next time you're near chips, tell yourself, I'm not the kind of person who eats potato chips. And supposedly, it'll be way easier to resist eating potato chips because you're not the kind of person who eats potato chips. And if you want to run, you tell yourself, "I'm a runner." Because what do runners do? They run. How we define ourselves affects what we do. There's a quote from the author Neil Gaiman, "We do what we do not because we do what we do because of who we are." If we did otherwise, we would not be ourselves. So let's start with who we are. Our sermon title today is, I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. That is good news. That is the gospel. And so let's marinate on this this morning. Let it soak into us and let it see how it moves us into the world. Our Bible passage today comes from the book of Song of Songs, chapter 7, verse 10. I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That's it. That's our verse. I'm going to read it slow. I am my beloved, and his desire is for me. If you remember nothing else from this sermon, remember this. Memorize it. Pray over it all week are verses from the Old Testament book of Song of Songs, also known as Song of Solomon. And Song of Songs is a book of poetry. It's two lovers talking to each other about how much they love each other. Can I confess something? I never read Song of Songs. It's poetry, so it's difficult for me to understand. I like arguments and narrative and explanations. Um, Song of Songs is also just too sexy. I get nervous and uncomfortable when I read it. I don't know what to do with my arms, you know, it's just like, uh, it's really passionate stuff. I was listening to Song of Songs the other day on the audio Bible in my car, and the version I have, it's Denzel Washington and his wife reading to each other. And I had to turn it off. It's like, gosh, too much. But Song of Songs is in the Bible. And it's in the Bible for a reason. And I think it's there to get God's love from being here as a nice idea in our brain to here really embedded in our hearts. An author wrote, it's easier to get Christians to believe that God exists than it is to get them to believe that God loves them. You know that Song of Songs is an essential part of the Jewish celebration of Passover. The Passover Seder, this meal that commemorates God's deliverance and salvation for his people, it concludes with the reading of Song of Songs, this personal and intimate recounting of passionate love. Because Songs of Songs is a reminder to us of God's passionate love for us. It's a reminder of who we are to God. I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. A few weeks ago, Pastor Dan preached from the Gospel of John about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And in particular, he preached about Jesus on the cross and the disciple John with him. Here's the verse When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. John, the author of this Gospel, always refers to himself this way the disciple whom Jesus loved. Six times in his gospel, John refers to himself this way. And I always thought it was a little goofy of John to do this, or a little pompous. At another point, John refers to himself as the disciple who runs faster than Peter. So I chalked them up together, John being a little arrogant, being a little competitive with the other disciples. I'm faster than Peter. I'm the one Jesus loves. But having marinated in our verse today for a while, I realize now that I've got it wrong and that John's got it right John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's his identity. That's the most fundamental truth about who John is. And so he describes himself all through his gospel. Not, my name is John. Not, I'm the youngest disciple. Not, I'm the son of Zebedee and the brother of James. Not, I live in Patmos. Not, I'm a fisherman not his age, not his name, not his relationships or his address or his job. Despite all his failings, John says, I am the disciple Jesus loves. That's the most important way I can identify myself. How do we identify ourselves? How do we answer the question, who am I? With our name and our age, our relationship, our address or our job? Who am I? Henry Nouwen says that we try to answer that question three different ways. And the first answer is I am what I do. And when I do good things or have some success, then I feel good about myself. But when I fail, then I feel bad. And so we try hard to do good, to rack up successes and trophies so we can feel good. But those nagging doubts are never far away that maybe I'm just not good enough. I have to do more, I have to do better. But we all learn, some early, some late, that we can never do enough. We can never be perfect or good enough. Now, it says, the second answer to the question, who am I, is I am what others say about me. When people praise me or compliment me, I feel good. When they criticize me or talk behind my back, I feel bad. Do you know that Michael Phelps, the swimmer, the most decorated Olympian of all time, he struggled in school because he had ADHD. And one of his teachers in school told him that he would never amount to anything, that he would never be successful. This guy, Michael Phelps, has 23 gold medals, but to this day, he still remembers what that teacher said to him. I never planned on being a preacher, uh, so when I stand up here and speak, there's one part that I'm not really prepared for, and that's feedback. Feedback. And you all are all so unfailingly kind and supportive, but I preached once, and someone didn't like what I had to say. And so they told me. And I was crushed. I was devastated because I thought at the time, I am what other people say about me. If they say good things, I feel good. If They say bad things, I'm devastated. And I want to be clear, that person's comment was absolutely fair and thoughtful and constructive and correct. So please don't hear me saying, don't criticize the preachers. We all welcome your feedback. Hear me saying, I needed to grow so that I don't define myself by by what other people say about me, bad or good. Henry Nowen says, the third way we define ourselves is, I am what I have. I've got a great job and a lovely wife and wonderful kids and I'm healthy and I drive a Prius But the problem is when we lose any of those things that we have, something happens to our family or our health, or we don't have a job anymore, then we despair. I am what I do. I am what people say about me. I am what I have. When we define ourselves these ways, our identity and our lives our roller coaster, up and down, up and down, tied to what we do, what others say, to what we have. When I have lots of things and do good things and people praise me, I feel good. I feel great. But when I lose those things or I lose people or I mess up or I get criticized, I feel bad. And so now, hear the good news of the gospel. This is not who you are. We are not what we do. We are not what people say we are. We are not what we have. The good news of the gospel, we are God's beloved. That's who we are. Who is the disciple Jesus loved? You are, and I am. Can we let God's love for us soak in so deeply that that's how we identify ourselves? I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. I'm the object of God's affection. I belong to God. And he longs for me. Do you know that here in your heart, in the core of your being, our definition of ourselves, our image of ourselves will radically shift when we take seriously the idea that God deeply, passionately, unconditionally loves us. God rejoices over you with gladness. He exalts over you. He sings over you. He dances with joy because of you. In the Old Testament, the prophet Zephaniah writes this. The Lord, your God, is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing as on a day of festival you affect the emotions of God. And his emotion isn't mild irritation or annoyance. God doesn't tolerate you and me. God is in our midst, and he rejoices over us with gladness. He dances with joy because of us. Earlier, we sang the song, You're Beautiful, singing to God, I see your face, you're beautiful. And as I reflected on our verse today, I am my beloved and his desire is for me. It occurred to me that as I sing that song to God, I see your face and you're beautiful. God sings that song to me. He sings to me, I see your face and you're beautiful. He sings it to each and every one of us. In Song of Songs, chapter 2, God says to us, come now, my love, my lovely one, come. Let me see your face and let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is beautiful. God says that to us. Who are we? I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. Brennan Manning, in his book, The Furious Longing of God, writes about a time that he went on a 30 day silent prayer retreat at a retreat center. And the spiritual director there guided him to this verse, I am my beloved, and his desire is for me, and asked him to pray just this verse for the entire 30 days of silent retreat. And Manning writes that he continued to pray this verse for those 30 days and for the next 30 years, and that it profoundly changed him, letting it marinate in him. He writes that if you take this verse personally, like really personally, A number of beautiful things happened for him, and they might happen for you too. Manning writes, The drumbeats of doom in your head will be replaced with a song in your heart, which could lead to a twinkle in your eye. You won't be dependent on the company of others to ease your loneliness, because God is Emmanuel, God with us. The praise of others won't send you soaring, and their criticism won't plunge you into a pit. You'll move from I should pray to I must pray you'll become aware of a father who not only loves you, but likes you. You'll stop comparing yourself to others and stop boasting about your importance or victories. You'll know off and on throughout the day that you are being seen by Jesus with his gaze of infinite tenderness. And you'll be moved to share this love with others. Can we pause now for just a moment? for us to pray this verse, silently where you are, just pray this verse, repeat this verse.
0: I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. I am my beloved's and his
1: desire is for me. I hope you continue to pray this verse all week maybe longer, and I hope it changes you. Now that we know who we are, can I tell you about compression socks? <laughs> I love compression socks. They're socks that supposedly increase circulation in your legs, and I'm always looking for things that will make the experience of flying a little less miserable, so I once bought a pair. And you know what? Compression socks are amazing. <laughs> The next time I flew, my feet didn't swell, my legs didn't get tired, and so every time I flew, I wore compression socks. Then one day, I was extolling the benefits of compression socks, and Pastor Dan said he wore compression socks when he preached so his legs wouldn't get tired after three services. What? You can wear compression socks not just on the plane? (laughs) So I started wearing compression socks when I preached. When I flew and when I preached, I'm wearing them right now. People in the eight o'clock service didn't believe me. (laughs) Leon and Arlene are also after the eight o'clock, they're like, we're wearing compression socks. Compression socks are great. So I wore compression socks when I flew and when I preached. And then one day, Amazon had a sale on compression socks, like six pairs for $20. And so I got six more pairs and started wearing compression socks every single day. I started telling everyone I knew about compression socks. Do you know about compression socks? And a few months ago, I had some friends visiting from out of town, and they didn't know about compression socks. So on the way to the airport, I drove them to Long so they can buy a pair. (laughs) A few weeks later, I got this email from my friend. This is the actual text and the actual capitalization. I think of you guys every time I wear compression socks on the plane. They are the best! And you guys are the best for suggesting them. If you haven't figured it out, this is a parable about Jesus. <laughs> I love compression socks because they made a difference in my life. And so I want to share the, compression, the wonders of compression socks with other people because I'm convinced it'll make a difference to them. And I'm not embarrassed about it. And people praise me and thank me for it. How much better than compression socks is the overwhelming accepting love of God. How much more has God's love affected me and changed me than compression socks? And it took me a long time to come around to compression socks, but once I experienced them and how good they are, I wanted more, and I gave over more and more of my life. It's a parable about Jesus. It might seem that some people have no interest in Jesus, They might need to see the life-changing difference that he makes in your life a few different times or in the lives of a few different people before they become curious about God. And when they do become curious, maybe they're only curious on Easter and Christmas, just like I only wore compression socks when I flew and I preached. But the more you experience the love and acceptance of Jesus, the more you want, and the more it becomes part of your everyday The real key though is that when you love something, when it's in your heart, like compression socks or Jesus, the more it will move you, that love will move you to bless other people. After the eight o'clock service, everyone came up to me and said, we're gonna get compression socks. (laughs) And I'm like, that's great, but this is not a point about compression socks. (laughs) It's about Jesus. So buy compression socks and when you wear them, think about Jesus. And even now, think about the love of God that you have experienced that is better than compressing socks. Think about something you love so much, you always tell other people, Jesus is love, God's love is better than that. And what do we do? What do we do when we have that? We want to share that with other people. John, the disciple Jesus loved, writes this, beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. A few, a few weeks ago, we had a very informal worship and prayer gathering at our future downtown campus called the Vine, and it was great. Here's a photo from the inside. Maybe 75 people singing and praying, and there's this powerful sense of God's presence. All these people experiencing the love of God, knowing that they are God's beloved, and that God's desire is for them. And at one point, the air conditioning switched off because we still haven't renovated yet, and we opened the doors. And that singing and that prayer drifted out into the neighborhood. And I went and stood outside and took this picture and was listening and singing and looking in and all these people inside fully experiencing, fully experiencing the presence of God. There are these big glass windows. And as I stood outside the glass by myself looking in, I had a sense of God telling me, showing me, reminding me that this is what it's like for all those people who don't know God. All these people on the outside of the glass looking in, faces pressed against the window, all these people in quiet desperation or in great pain, in loneliness and despair, who are not experiencing the overwhelming love of God. People searching for answers and hope and being told that all they are is what they do, what others say about them or what they have. They can see in us the love of God, but they don't know how to get there. They don't see the door in. And I think sometimes we forget what it's like to not know God, to not know that great truth. I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. Whatever hard thing you might be going through right now, and I know that many of you are going through hard things. Imagine how much harder it would be if you didn't know God's love for you. And so this love we have, this confidence, can we share it? Not to invite people into a physical building, but into the love of God. That's where the church is on Monday, out there offering people a door into the love of God, a love that has redefined our whole lives. Someone sent me another picture from inside after the worship service was over. Look at the confidence in God's love, how they know in their heart, I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. And can you see the poor, lonely guy on the outside of the glass over their shoulders looking in, wanting to experience God's love? Can you see him up there? Can we share the extravagant love of God with that guy on the outside of the glass looking in? One final story as we close. In college, I had a roommate named Carl. And one night I was in our room studying, and Carl came bursting through the door, his backpack on, his jacket on, panting and sweating. And I asked him, what are you doing? And he explained kind of sheepishly, well, I was at the library working on a paper, and I wanted to take a break, so I started reading my Bible. I started reading from Song of Songs. And the more I read, the more I began to feel God's overwhelming love for me. So I kept reading and this sense of God's passionate love kept building and building and I didn't know what to do. So I thought, I have to run. So I got my stuff and left the library and started running. And I ran and I ran and I ran all the way back to the dorm. Let's be overwhelmed by God's love for us. Let's know who we are and be moved, be propelled forward by God's love to run into a world to share that love. I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. Let's pray. Let's take a few moments now to pray this verse again. I am my beloved's, and his desire is
0: for me. I am my beloved's,
1: and his desire is for me. God, we belong to you. May we be overwhelmed by your love for us. May we share it tomorrow. In the name of Jesus Christ, all God's children say, Amen. Amen. At the conclusion of our service, uh, if you want prayer, there'll be members from our prayer team on either side up front. We invite you to come forward for prayer. But now will you please stand and receive this blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the overwhelming love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.
0: Hopefully, your takeaway from this message is that God loves you tremendously. And as Christians, our identity comes not from what we do or what positions we have in life. Our identity is based solely in Jesus Christ. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45 550 Kionaole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 930, and 1111. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. If you need more, call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chan and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2019, produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.